Hi everybody and welcome to the Golders Podcast, where we aim to sprinkle particles of knowledge by engaging and educating. With your co-hosts, father and son duo, Keith and David Mayer. We're excited to have you on this journey with us and we know our wide variety of world-class guests will provide lots of value for our listeners. To ensure you stay up to date with everything we've got going on on the podcast, make sure you subscribe. Today... We welcome Dr. Julia Jones onto the Golders podcast. Julia is a neuroscientist, biohacker, and founder of Neuron Smart Wellness. She specializes in the science of boosting people's brain and body through biology to optimize our biological systems. Julia's worked with Olympic squads, Premier League teams, high performing athletes, celebrities, and much more to help them on their paths to peak performance. Hi, Julia. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. And thank you for being with us today. Thanks for inviting me. So to us, gold dust is sprinkling particles of knowledge to help people. What does gold dust mean to you? Uh, gold dust means any piece of information that gives me an advantage. So little tips and tricks, um, you know, knowledge based usually, but might be some piece of technology or software or a little hack, a life hack or anything like that, that, that makes something that I'm trying to do easier. So yeah, those are always those golden nuggets, you know, the gold dust. With that being said, Julia, in your area of expertise, there is a lot of gold dust that gets shared. What do you think will be the next chapter of neuroscience to develop? Well, right now, it's ridiculously exciting. Um, it's, It's a fascinating time. Neuroscience and technology is merging with you know, rapid speed and the innovation is is really opening up a whole new approach to wellness and health, which is very relevant right now in a in a the most unusual period in in our uh, era, if you like. You know, we haven't lived through this kind of global pandemic before so health has taken on new meaning and technology and neuroscience are rapidly advancing to show us why all the things that we've done before didn't work you know five decades of diet and fitness focused trends and billions of dollars of promotional uh, campaigns telling people to do you know healthy eating and fitness and everything else none of that produced healthy nations and the neuroscience led approach shows exactly why that failed but also now matching it up with smart wellness devices is opening up much more efficient routes to wellness so it's really exciting time so we've probably all heard of life hacks julia Uh, these are strategies or techniques adopted in order to manage our time and daily activities in a more efficient way but what are bio acts because you speak about that quite freely 
Uh, I've listened to some of the podcasts and webinars that you've been on. You've been on television. You've been on radio. Well, what is what is that? What's a biohack? Well, the term is relatively new, but the principle is is not new. So, I was I was first exposed to this in 1991 in California when I was on an exchange trip uh, as a sport and exercise science student. I got the good end of the deal because I, I got to go from Cardiff University to Los Angeles and the LA students switched and went to Cardiff. Not that there's anything wrong. I love Cardiff, you know, but going to LA was, I felt like I'd got the best end of the deal. But while I was there, I was invited to a US naval base to, to see the, you know, Olympic outdoor amazing swimming pool. And I met the physical training instructors and they started showing me these techniques of certain breathing methods to reduce anxiety, chemicals, the use of music and sounds to boost and put it, you know, get into a certain mindset straight away. And I was a musician in a band and I thought this was absolutely fascinating, right? And so a biohack basically is what they showed me 30 years ago, which is a, a technique, some kind of technique or trick or tool that taps into your biology. So whereas a life hack, you know, can will show you the most efficient way to hoover a carpet or the most efficient way to, to quickly fold lots of shirts or peel an orange in the most efficient way or whatever it is. A biohack shows you how to most efficiently target a biological system in your brain or body to help it optimize. So to help it function properly. And this field now, which, you know, I'm kind of pushing under the smart wellness term because it's about using knowledge teaching people the basic biology and then showing them how to use these little tricks and techniques plus smart wellness tech wearables smart watches rings that measure you know certain biological markers to use that knowledge to just keep all your keep your wellness on track with minimal effort and this, this field that now called biohacking, you know, in recent years, it's kind of gained that term, but it's, it's evolving rapidly, especially in the United States where they're all over this, you know, all the, all the, the elite military still use it. I was using it in Olympic training programs. When I graduated in the mid nineties, I started using the use of music and sound in this way and breathing in elite sport, but it hasn't drifted through into public awareness, which baffles me because it's scientifically proven that all these simple things work. And yet we're still telling people the really inefficient methods of, you know, going to the gym and things like that, which is a, you know, takes two hours out of your day for actually very minimal benefit that you could build into your daily habits and produce better results than doing doing that kind of technique. So it's efficiency is is the key and bio, a biohack is very much based on that principle. So you you mentioned biohacking there, Julia. A couple of other things. So stuff such as taking cold showers or dimming the lights in the evening is very good for us. Now these simple changes to our daily routines help us or can help us lose weight, fight off illness, sleep better. Can you share what the, the tips and tricks do to help us rewire our brain and biohack our lives? Yeah. So 
so last year I cancelled my gym membership and I ran a 12 month experiment just using these biohacks, right, in, in my daily routine. And my weight dropped. I'm now in my 50s, but I'm the same weight as I was in my 20s, which no amount of gym work had, had achieved that. And it's, it's really simple things. So the things that, that you mentioned there, like, you know, getting natural light in your eyes to improve sleep. Our, we were designed over millions of years, these, these ancient evolutionary circuits based on natural environments. So our sleep timer in our brain is connected, it's actually wired to our eyeballs. So the cells at the back of the eye on the retina they are, they are wired to a group of neurons called the suprachiasmatic nuclei, which inhibit the pineal gland that releases melatonin, which is a key chemical to sleep. So if you go outside early in the morning and your eyes are exposed to natural daylight, that starts the sleep timer in the brain to know that, right, it's morning and then uh, therefore later in the day, it times down to release those sleep, those sleep chemicals. And during lockdown, people haven't been getting natural daylight in their eyes till you know afternoon sometimes because they're not they're not commuting, they're not having to take the kids to school, they're not going out of the house until much later. And sleep has been massively disrupted during lockdowns. And it's not just due to stress of work or anything like that. It's because we're not getting natural daylight in our eyes. So that's a really simple one. To, to embed the cold shower thing again right we we're, we're ancient creatures hot water is a relatively recent invention we we are designed to be immersed in cold water right we we our, our ancient ancestors were in cold water all the time it's not a it's not a new thing but we've become accustomed to our lovely warm showers uh, and and just by turning the temperature to cold before you before you finish that shower and giving yourself that that cold water immersion changes the state of your of your body and your biology you know and it's really good for you to have that cold water exposure and it's a great opportunity as well to practice you know your breath and slowing down your breath and trying to suppress that kind of the scream of horror when the cold water arrives and just just practicing that control in that stress situation because that helps train your vagus nerve and keep your in parasy parasympathetic nervous system mode as you're re relaxed in control mode stress under control so all these little things that when you, you know, now I don't even think about it because it's just part of my daily routine now. So I go outside with my dog in the morning, whereas before I just used to open the door and he used to go outside and I would just stay in the doorway. Now I go out with him. So I get natural daylight exposure, sometimes three or four hours earlier than I used to just by changing that simple habit. So you go outside first thing in the morning, how long are you going out for? Is, is it just popping your head out? Is there a length yeah, of I mean, time? Or are you... just, just a few minutes, you know. I mean, it, it doesn't need to, you don't need to go out there and kind of like worship the, 
the sun or or anything like that it's about getting outside because if you if you download an app onto your onto your iphone right and i show these screenshots to people in my webinars i say right it's a sunny day here's the here's the reading of the power of the light outside in my garden and i've got a picture of me outside my garden and it's like you know 80,000 lux and then I come back inside and stand inside my window in my lounge looking out into the garden and the glass even though it's bright because the sun is streaming into that room that reading on my phone drops to like 700 lux you know because the glass filters the the power of that light so so the key is not necessarily being out there for ages but to get outside People say, oh, well, you know, I just open my curtains and I get lots of light in my room. It's like, no, you don't. The glass stops it, right? You have to go outside into the natural environment. That's how it works. So I just, you know, while my coffee's brewing, I just go outside, potter around with my dog and then come back in and have my coffee. It's, it's just a natural part of my routine now. Yeah. El Rain Snow. Sorry? Hail, rain or snow. So Hail, she, rain or snow. Correct. Yes, I have an umbrella. <laughs> right. She's so still going out regardless yeah. of the weather. Yeah. That's part of I mean, the... you know, when you're on, on, a, on a dark, gloomy day, that's when you really do need to get out and, and, and kind of get that exposure because obviously the, the light power drops significantly when it's overcast so so you really need to get that outdoor light exposure to activate those cells at the back of the eye it's so yeah you know that's what umbrellas are for keith so does this actually slow down the decline of our brain tissues well i mean this so this all adds up right so in in the book because I, I i downloaded a ton of scientific research into this book because I really because the, the experiment I was doing on myself right so I was being deadly serious about this as I, I want to find out how do I stay young how do I reverse my biological age uh, it wasn't necessarily for a book it was because my waistline was creeping up you know pound a year that's how that's how we eventually become obese because you don't notice it it gradually creeps up throughout the years so this these all these things are interlinked right so it's not going outside and getting daylight for example or listening to music to to control your stress chemicals or listening to slow music at night to slow your brain waves so you get into sleep mode to boost sleep those things alone are not going to reduce your biological age but they all impact each other so if you have poor quality sleep it's highly likely that you will make poor decisions about eating the next day, right? When you're tired, you don't make the best decisions. When you're, when you're fully refreshed and you've had a really high quality night's sleep, you make better decisions and you feel better and you feel more motivated and you feel more in control. So all these little things combine like the perfect cocktail to, to keep all your systems working optimally, which slows your rate of biological aging. And that's, these are things that we can now measure. You know, I mean, like the, the glycan age test that I did literally measures my level of inflammation, which is our biological age. You know, we're, we're, we are aging too fast 
because of the modern environment that we've created. So biohacking is about putting things in place that stop that from, from happening. You mentioned a little bit earlier about music. What is the connection between music and good health and what research has been conducted in that subject? So, well, I mentioned earlier that, that um, you know, during my US Navy base visit, they showed me how they were using music to boost brain chemicals, mindset, you know, how to control anxiety, how to, how to boost motivation, endurance. They were very much looking at it from a performance enhancing point of view, right? And when I graduated and started working with the Olympic squads and in elite sports, very much about performance, like, right, how can, how can the use of music enhance performance by a fraction of a second, which can make a difference between a medal or not? Or not? I'm now looking at it from a, from a wellness point of view, but with the, with the sound and with music, the, the principles are very, very simple and the science dates back 40 years or more. The ears lead to the brain. And, you know, many people, when I, when I kind of say that to them, they, they haven't thought about it. It's like the, the ears don't lead to a you know, brick wall or a dead end. The ears lead to the brain and it's an input channel to the brain. So every sound molecule, every vibration that enters our ears produces an electrochemical response in the brain. And that means that it can influence your dopamine, serotonin, activation of different areas, different regions of the brain, influencing our emotions, how we feel, our energy levels, our sleep. It's, it's really super powerful and it, and it dates back you know, we, we know that the, the oldest instrument found so far is, is almost 40,000 years old and is a flute made out of bone, right? And a flute is a really complicated instrument. So if our ancestors were using music by playing in complex instruments like that 40,000 years ago, we know that they must have been singing and dancing and using rhythms and body percussion and, you know, do, doing use, being musical even way back before 40,000 years. And it's a primal thing. And it's because our brain uses sound to determine whether we're in danger or safety. So high intensity, you know, heavy rock music, high fast beats, loud volume, that's really activating our sympathetic kind of fight or flight system. It's like, what is that? You know, is that a herd of elephants? What is that? Is, it, is that an avalanche? What that, that sounds like danger. But when you know that you're in a safe environment, it becomes not scary, it becomes thrilling, right? We, we get that arousal level from that type of music because it mimics dangerous sounds and opposite the sounds of safety, right? You, if you're a, a parent trying to nurse a young child to sleep, you don't yell at it and you don't scream at it loudly. You do soft, soothing, low volume because that tells the brain it's safe, right? So same thing, that kind of music, slow, low volume, relaxing music that makes us feel safe produces different chemical effects in the brain because it's telling the brain it's in an environment that's safe so the the commercial music industry has 
you know, made mega billions of pounds just by manipulating the way brain, the brain responds to sound. And it works for wellness and performance as well. So the, um, we're led to believe there's only two, when we're born, there's only two fears. One is falling and the other one is noise. So I guess it links quite, it dovetails quite nicely with that soothing effect from a mother or a, somebody shouting and bellowing at us. Yeah, it startles yeah. us a little bit. Yeah. Now in regards to, so we've got mentioned about light. I think we're playing around with the senses here. Yeah. Uh, but also we got test, which is which is obviously part of this system of or a process or a strategy to, to optimize our health. So it, yeah. in recent years, much attention has been focused around emerging problem with pesticides and pollutants such as plastic and mercury. These are dangerous chemicals that there have even been found in meat, fish and fruit, uh, vegetables for many, many years. So what advice can you give on how to reduce our pollutant consumption? Yeah, I mean, you know, the, the whole kind of smart wellness approach and the biohacking approach is about our natural body, right? And we, we were not designed to eat processed food and ultra processed food. We should be eating natural foods. So, so the first problem is to, is to break our addictive habits that are linked to processed and unprocessed food, which have been built up through recipes that, that specifically manipulate the brain's response to fats and sugars to make us addicted to those foods that are being manufactured. But when you do manage to, to wean someone off that diet onto a plant and fish and, uh, you know, a healthier kind of med more Mediterranean style, lots of fruit and veg, then you, you're now facing this other problem, which is, well, they've got crap in them as well. You know, it's like we're, we're surrounded by it. It's, there's no escape. And there is a list that's produced every year called the Dirty Dozen, which shows the, the 12 fruits and vegetables that have the highest amount of pesticides in. So those, anything on the Dirty Dozen list, so berries, for instance, um, you should eat organic uh, versions of those. Things, and then the other list is the clean 15, which is the fruits and vegetables that are, that are known to have the least amount of toxins uh, in them. So things like melons, stuff that, stuff that tends to have a, a thicker skin. So it hasn't absorbed into the, into the part that, that you eat. So these, these are good ways of thinking, right, I'm going to significantly, because last year with my experiment, you know, I significantly boosted the amount of fruit and veg I ate. Because I set up, a, I did a gut microbiome test that showed me what state my gut bacteria was in, which, is, which was pretty poor, um, very low diversity. Even though I was eating a lot of fruit and veg, I wasn't eating nearly enough because none of us are and not enough diversity. So I then set up a fruit and veg delivery. So the food came to my house, so I didn't go into the supermarket so often and not going into the supermarket reduced the amount of processed food I was eating. And then I used these lists to say, right, okay, I want my apples to be organic, I want my berries to be organic. And then all of these other things can, can just be you know, normal 
it's cheaper um, and then refine it like that. But same, you know, with our fish, there is the mercury, the methyl mercury is, it's starting to get more media attention because some celebrities have been suffering from it. Um, so that tends to be picked up by the media because they've been eating a lot of fish that, that have a high mercury content because of the way they're farmed and the fact that it's in our air and therefore it lands on the water. And so then it's in the sea, it's in the lakes, you know, I mean, it's a serious, serious problem. Um, I don't want to be the voice of doom on your podcast here. You know, there, there, there is, there is good news as well, because the, well, the good news is that we now know about all of this, right? We, we know that five decades of diet and fitness approaches didn't work. We know that all these other things do work. We know that certain things have got toxins in so we can, we can make an informed decision to, to avoid them. And there's campaigners campaigning to try and stop those toxins from being used anyway. Uh, so, you know, knowledge, as you said in the beginning, that, that's gold dust, right? I, the number of people I say about this dirty dozen list and they didn't even know that existed, right? Well, that's the easy one. You just Google it, dirty dozen. By the, if you're eating those fruits and veg, just eat the organic versions. Now, I'm going to stick on the same path in regard to food or intake. Why is it? so important for us to understand the impact sugar has on our lives and what can we do to help reduce our intake because i know look you know that you're eating if you're having chocolate and sweets etc you're having sugar but there are so many other things yeah that sugar is in including stuff like you have a a latte which i know we're bad for we'll have a latte every day and the sugar in it and i don't think people really understand how much they're having it's the hidden sugars is the danger, right? Because when you think of, I looked at a lot of the kind of anthropology and evolutionary neuroscience research that looked at hunter-gatherer societies. And when you look at even the, the hunter-gatherer societies that still exist in the world today, they have quite a lot of sugar in their diet, but they have natural sugars. So from fruits, honey, that, you know, it, not the unnatural sugars that we've invented that we have created these processed sugars. And it literally is the hidden, you know, if you're eating processed foods, it's probably got sugar in it. My mum sort of messaged me the other day, I was, actually when we were talking on the, on, she's now lockdown brought her into the 21st century. We, we now do video calls. So she's like, you'd be really pleased with me today. I had vegetable soup for lunch. Brilliant mum, did you make it? No, it's from a tin. So I'm like, that'll have sugar in it. She said, don't be stupid. What you don't put, they don't put sugar in vegetable soup. Have you still got the tin? Yeah, it's in the recycling, right? Go and get it. So she went to get the tin, brought it back. So we were on video, WhatsApp video, right? Doing that. She was reading out the ingredients, blah, 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 blah all these bloody um, uh, preservatives and everything. And then she said, sugar, sugar. Why have they put sugar in vegetable soup? Because it's in everything, mum. This is the problem. You know, if you're eating processed foods, and that's why we've got to wean ourselves off processed and ultra processed food, because it's not what you think you're eating. You're eating a lot of stuff that you have no idea that is causing serious damage, like low level inflammation in our gut and throughout our systems that's now linked to pretty much every chronic Ill illness that we're suffering from 
it's shown scientifically it comes back to inflammation and that gravitates from our diet essentially the things that we eat and drink as you said earlier Keith right we're talking about senses biohacking is about manipulating the brain and the body biology through the senses because that's how it receives information the things that we put in our ears the things that go in our eyes and the things that go in our mouth we're, we're consuming stuff that we weren't designed for these mm. things are modern inventions being put in a in a system that is millions of years old our biology is not going to evolve during our lifetime to figure out how to deal with processed food so we need to be not eating it so so simply put you it's about stimulating certain senses and consuming certain things to reduce inflammation across really everything that you do because if you talk about loud music it's stimulation or inflammation i guess we could use of that sense when you eat bad food or processed food you have your sugars and all that kind of stuff which i'm now i'm sat here thinking about what i'm eating and i think i eat healthy i'm eating vegetables every day and i have my meats and carbs and all that and now i'm going man i had that chocolate bar last night and but it's an inflammation that is causing damage to your body yeah and that's where you know this the smart wellness approach i think is going to produce a healthy nation once everyone catches on to this because i you know do a simple gut microbiome test I get told exactly what's going on in my gut, the level of inflammation, the lack of diversity. I'm not feeding the right bacteria, the right things, blah, blah, blah. I do finger prick tests with a glycan age test, get my biological age, my level of inflammation, so I can see exactly what's going on. And then I can make changes, you know, if, if it's because my sleep's been disrupted for too long or because I've, you know, been on holiday or something and I've been just, just, partying too hard for too long um because you know i'm not a saint i'm just a human i've written a book about smart wellness but the whole point of it was that i wanted to find the easiest shortcuts to saying well because i don't want to spend lots of time doing healthy things i want to spend lots of time having fun but you need to be aware that some of those things that we consider fun do have an impact on our on our wellness. So when you're able to measure things through technology or tests that it's all pretty affordable now. I mean that you know these things are in the low hundreds. They're not. They used to be thousands. Now that they're, they're getting more and more affordable in the consumer market, and that information is hugely valuable because it it makes you think. You know, you just said chocolate. I still eat chocolate, but I eat dark chocolate now instead of milk chocolate. Milk chocolate is designed to trigger your reward pathways in your brain, dopamine fed, because the the mix of sugar and fat is it's really difficult to just have one piece of that chocolate because it's designed the moment that hits your mouth and that's dissolved and that's triggering those pathways, you have to eat the whole bar. You can't stop. So switching to dark chocolate for me, that does not happen. You know, when I started eating dark chocolate, it sucked. 
it was just like this is this is the crappest chocolate I've ever tasted but now I love it because I've broken that pathway the milk chocolate pathway and now you know like dark chocolate especially with coffee it's actually delicious and there's a fraction of the sugar content in it you ought to get granddad listening to this David because he when you mention get a bar of chocolate he will shift not just the one but the pack so we'll get him to That's, listen to this podcast it's it's designed to do that and that we go back again to knowledge right we we need people to know that look supermarkets use brain science to influence your decisions manufacturers use brain science to influence your decisions all these all these companies are using our neuro you know the the brain biology to make us want those products and if you know that you're you're already at an advantage because you know that you're eating something that is designed to be so hyper palatable because it triggers certain chemicals and the release makes you feel you know you know that okay this should be a treat not a habit right it doesn't matter you know I'm not going to be struck down by lightning if I happen to have a bar of milk chocolate today but I know that I won't have one every single day and that has a big impact over the long term. Uh, in your book uh, Neurosmart Wellness Made Easy you mentioned about breathing being a, a hidden super tool that can improve body weight composition stress management you mentioned that a little bit earlier when you went into the naval base in the states sleep and much more can you share with us some simple techniques how we can consciously improve on our breathing patterns yeah so so when i started digging into the research around breath work because there have been a lot of new york times bestseller books about this subject recently and it was you know something that i was exposed to in 1991 on that naval base in california i used it myself over decades and, but when I started looking at the research, I was finding things that, that I hadn't discovered before. So for instance, we've become a population of mouth breathers. We tend to breathe through our mouth, not our nose, which is not the route that was designed to bring air into our body. We're meant to breathe in through our nose because that's where all the crap gets filtered out nitric oxide gets added to help gas exchange the air is warmed so that when it reaches the lungs it's at the right temperature and humidity to allow passage across into the bloodstream you know we should be breathing in through our nose out through our mouth which we we are not doing there's a whole we don't have time to go into it here but there's a whole reason around this and linked to our crooked teeth and gum disease and stuff like that but breath when you're breathing in through your nose and you slow down your breathing, especially your exhales, right? So if you breathe in slowly through the nose, but then breathe out for a longer period of time through your mouth or your nose, but just, just slowly exhale, but extending those exhales, that engages the vagus nerve, which pushes you into parasympathetic nervous system mode, which is your rest and digest mode, which switches off your stress chemicals. It's literally like a break. And every breath that we take, our, our, the, that break comes off. 
when we breathe in and it clamps back down when we breathe out. And that is our autonomic nervous system optimizing the gas exchange so that, you know, our cells get the right amount of oxygen they need and we expel the carbon dioxide, stuff like that. Just by that simple act of, of breathing, we can boost our stress resilience. So being able to just, right, I can feel myself getting stressed. All I've got to do is just breathe, slow my breathing down. No one around you even knows you're doing it, which is the genius part of it, right? This is something that you can do really easily wherever you are, just slowing, breathing in through your nose, slowly breathing out through, through your mouth. And that is what you do is every time you're breathing out, that vagus nerve, which is innervated all around the lungs and our our digestive organs comes in and pushes in you into that rest and digest mode and we live in a world where we're almost always in sympathetic nervous fight or flight mode at a low level you know driving commuting in front of zoom screens which is hugely unnatural to be just staring at a computer screen so much like this inbox flood emails flooding in is stressful so we're our sympathetic nervous system which is really designed for danger is chronically activated at a low level all the time and to switch that off and to regain control of your chemicals breath right not not pharmaceutical drugs or anything like that breathing good old-fashioned breathing which is something that we really take for granted because it just happens automatically thank god but it is one thing that because we have conscious control over the our diaphragm which is the sheet of muscle at the bottom of the rib cage we can control our breath so it happens automatically or we can step in and make a conscious decision to slow it down and that shuts off those the cortisol you know stress chemicals that are that are pumped out when you're in sympathetic nervous mode so it really is a, you know, i call it a super tool in the book neuron smart wellness made easy as you plugged for me very nicely but it, you know it is a super tool all, all elite sport use it elite military use it to calm the brain and to calm our biology and it's one of the easiest and it's free guys it doesn't even cost anything right it's a free hack so everyone should be using it it's interesting julia because anxiety is this anxiety is a big thing now a lot of people say i have anxiety but a lot of that is down to they can't control the breathing so they start breathing very fast they get all of a panic and they then in they're in fight or flight yeah and, and this goes thing, back to sorry the, the one thing they can control is the breathing and i actually I got told if someone has anxiety, a, a really quick solution or a simple solution is you punch them in the diaphragm because they have no choice but to slow, they, they can't get the breath. So they yeah. slow down and all of a sudden, but the fact that breathing is probably one of those things that people don't actually think about. Yeah. But yeah, it has so much control over how you feel, yeah. what you're thinking. Yeah. And, and really how relaxed or stressed you are in any one moment during your day. 
yeah it's it's literally if you think of it like a seesaw right and and you're you know your, your autonomic nervous system is flipping back and forth between sympathetic mode parasympathetic mode sympathetic so fight or flight rest or digest fight or flight rest or digest and when you learn how to use your breath you can make sure that that seesaw is usually in the rest or digest mode right it only flips into fight or flight mode when you really really need it to and that is something that we, we should be teaching this stuff at primary school level right so that kids should be learning that the your breath learning about that your breath is your friend it's your it's your it's your super tool you know you you can you have a superpower and it is your breath it is your breathing because that's it's just such an easy way for people to to kind of gain control if you like but most people don't know anything about their biology you know i i did a survey last year and 90% of people it was over 90% of people said that they really have no idea how their body or their brain works and Therein lies the problem, right? Because if, if you don't know these basic things, then you just assume that you need medicine. You know, oh, I must need, I must need to go to the doctor for a prescription for some pills to sort this stuff out. It's like, no, if you know how it works and you can understand that, oh, my sleep is being disrupted because I'm using screens late at night and that puts blue light in my eyes and blue light is morning light. So the brain thinks it's daytime. So either don't use your screens at night or use these very bono looking blue light blocker glasses, right? Because that stops the blue light from reaching the cells in your retina. So the suprachiasmatic nuclei neurons don't get that message to say it's daylight when it's actually nighttime. All this stuff's down to knowledge. It all comes back down to knowledge. If you don't know, then you can't fix it. Well, not many could actually see you were in the glasses. We can. They can use the miracle of imagination. Which I'm sure many will. And, <laughs> and on that, uh, breathing, we've got diet, and then, of course, sleep. Uh, and it's, it's said that sleep is an actual pillar of health. It's a time when a brain carries out necessary housekeeping and maintenance. And I dare say you partly answered the question that I'm about to ask on, on around the breathing, but what advice can, what additional advice can you provide and how we can improve our sleep? Well, the first thing that I would recommend is start to use something that measures your sleep. Because when I ask clients how they, how they sleep, they just tell me, what time they go to bed and what time they get up. They don't, they don't know, well, how much of that was deep sleep? How much of that was REM sleep? How much of that was light sleep? How was that was, was interrupted sleep? Really simple smartwatches. You know, I wear the Oura Ring, which does the sleep tracking and starting to get that data, you start to realize whether you're having good quality sleep or not. And sleep is a supremely essential part of our wellness you know and this is why a lot of the fitness instructors that i'm testing are coming out really poorly on wellness scores their gut health is crap their sleep isn't very good they're very fit so they do lots of exercise and they're very 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 fit and very 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 strong 
but on wellness, they're not well, right? Because they're not paying attention to all these things and sleep in particular is that, is that pillar. So, you know, from a, if I look at the, the book documents exactly what I do throughout the entire day, all my habits are listed in there. Start in the morning, lock in that circadian timer by getting natural daylight in my eye early. So six o'clock, I go outside with the, with the doggy, bing, starts that sleep timer. Then at the other end of the day, I make sure that I do not have caffeine after midday because that binds to our adenosine, it blocks the adenosine receptors in the brain. So you don't get that tired feeling later in the day. So stop eating, drinking caffeine. I switch to decaf in the afternoon. In the evening, I try and go out for a dog walk in the sunset light because there's more red light in the later light. Morning light has a lot of blue light in that spectrum. Towards sunset, it's less blue light and more red light in it. So it, it again, you know, calibrates that circadian clock by telling through the eyes saying, right, now it's sunset light. So in a couple of hours, we need to release melatonin so that I get sleepy. And then to not mess that work up, that great work that I've done during the day. Yeah, I must not mess that up in the night by, by using screens. So I either don't use my laptop or phone or anything after sort of eight, nine o'clock, or I use those blue light blocker glasses if I have to do something. And also do not eat or drink four hours before I go to sleep. So I have, as part of my intermittent fasting, practice which is the super important as well to eat within a smaller window so that your body is not busy digesting food overnight it can do the rest and repair stuff overnight so just have dinner earlier and those steps which are now the new normal really super easy for me there's no effort in any of those things my suit my sleep supercharged like literally i, I show the charts in the book right it, it's it's absolutely transformed my sleep, just doing those simple, simple hacks that are just easy habits. So none of this needs a lot of effort. You know, that's the, that's the beauty of it. It's about being smart. It really, it's fascinating. It truly is. Now, Julia, if anyone listening to this podcast wants to reach out to you, how can they contact you? So my website is drjuliajones.com and uh, there is a Facebook page, which is also drjuliajones.com. Um, I'm on Twitter is at drrockuk because that is my nickname due to my obsession with music as a, as a biohack. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, any search is, you, you know, you'll find me. I'd love to hear from from anyone around this because I, I really do think it's, you know, we're delivering this in workplaces at the moment is on as an online program. It's it's super easy for all kinds of people, all ages, all backgrounds, all income levels. This is knowledge that I think really needs to be spread. So anyone who's interested, I would love to hear from them. Uh, Julie, it's been wonderful having you with us. Uh, mindful that you've got seeing other things uh, pending. So on behalf of David and myself, thanks again. And, uh, Great. Well, th thank you for inviting me. And 
I look forward to hearing if David switched from his milk chocolate habit to dark chocolate or the USA pro- chocolate. It's a whole different game. It is. The process starts today. I'll be cold turkey after this. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in to the Golders podcast today. If you enjoyed this episode and you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Your continued support is highly appreciated and it means so much to us knowing that the content that's being produced is providing value in people's lives. If you would like to know more or get more information from us, you can follow us on Twitter at Gold Dust Podcast, and also you can visit our website at the Gold Dust Coach. Thank you, everybody.